Hello, boys and girls. This is Steve Tripp coming to you live from the Top Strength Project, and this is the Top Strength Cast, a grit original. I am here to denounce the limitless bullshit surrounding the industry by sharing my own personal experiences and insights in an attempt to offer a more direct, sensible, and authentic approach to becoming the best version of ourselves. Other experts at the top of their fields will be joining me to cover training for and competing in strength sports along with all things muscle. It is my goal to offer as much value through this platform as possible because I believe that there is no cruise control. There is no maintaining. You're either learning, growing, and getting better, or you're going backwards. So wake up, be present, be relentless, and let's go. What's up, boys and girls? We're back again, recording another episode. This is episode 15 or 16 or so. I am Strip Cam, the Silverback Gorilla, your host, your MC, whatever. I am joined again by Nico Chapralis, the Greek Goliath, and Evan T-Rex Singleton, all the way from Tennessee. He just finished up um, a seminar here for our members. Um, went super, super well. We're really happy to have you guys on. Let's get right into it. Um, Evan, if you don't mind, could you start? I always like kind of hearing uh, people's backgrounds and how they got into strength sports. You're obviously competing at the highest possible level right now, world's strongest man. But from what I understand, you have a background in uh, bodybuilding in the beginning, some professional wrestling, and then uh, came into strongman. So tell us how that played out. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, when I was in school, I was an accomplished amateur wrestler. Uh, I got into some Brazilian jiu-jitsu too. Where was school? Uh, Pennsylvania. I went to Penn Manor High School in Millersville. <laughs> I uh, was an accomplished amateur wrestler there. Uh, did a little bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappling. I'm um, just a fan of mixed martial arts in general. So I like to I like to take up stuff like that in my free time. But So you're 6'6", six, 3'5". Six, three, what, three what what, what size were you when you were um, in amateur wrestling growing up? Were you uh, always like super, super tall or did you kind of have a spurt? I, I, I graduated high school at 6'4". Yep. So uh, I grew a little bit after high school, but not much. And I graduated at like 240. So it was definitely more of a leaner, athletic, or more athletic build. Um, How old when you first started weight training? 13. Yeah, same. Yep, I started training when I was 13. I was a little bit of a heavier kid and got picked on, and I wasn't getting any sympathy from home. My dad pretty much said, well, if you don't like it, then do something about it. You so, want to know why Steve started weight training? Oh, I know you love to tell it, Steve. Oh, so that's that's good. Uh, <laughs> Megan Copeland. This girl I, I, I dated, uh, <laughs> she, she was my girlfriend. So, so I grew up in a, in a small town, um, Dighton, Rehoboth, you know, 5,000 people, tiny little middle school. And, and these three girls moved in from the city, not really the city, but like, you know, not Dighton. And one of them's name was Megan Copeland. And she was, you know, super, super pretty and had a big fat ass, which like, you know, you don't really have that in the sixth grade. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. I had a huge crush on her, and we, like, dated for a while. And then we, like, we broke up, but we were still friends. And I was at a pool party. And when I – now, with my background, I know what it was. When I started hitting puberty in my early teens, I was very estrogenic. You know, I held a lot of water around my waistline, and I, I totally had bitch tits. But you don't really know what it is when you're a kid. You're just kind of like – right. You know, I don't feel good in my skin, but you don't really know. And we're at a pool party, and her and I were kind of going back and forth. And I called her, like, bubble butt or fat ass. And she's like, yeah, whatever, titty boy, in front of everybody. And it was embarrassing. And thus, Strip Cam was born. It was embarrassing, but, I mean, I, I, I knew. And I was like, I was like, she's fucking, she's right. And, like, we talked about last night at dinner. 
there's two directions you can take yep. with, you know, quote unquote, traumatic experiences and challenges. You can either, you know, become a victim of them and poor me, or you can be, you can fucking do something about it. And looking back, I take a lot of pride at the young age of 13 that I wasn't like, Ugh. I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking go in my basement with asbestos and I would do push ups until I throw up and I'm, I'm going to fix it. So that's how I got started. So, you know, I, I, it's funny. A lot of the times. I think more often than not, especially those of us who make it to a higher level, we started not not by being encouraged, but but, but by something yeah. negative, something somebody traumatic. shitting on us. Yeah. yeah, every single person I've had 100%. on here is like, yeah, I got picked on. No one's like, you know, my parents are really encouraging and they wanted me to do well, so you should start lifting weights. That's never the fucking story. Yeah, yeah I wish. No, it's funny because uh, like I was I was telling you about the old Powerlifting USA magazines. Yeah, and that was like the only way because now you have the internet and you can Google anything. But back when when I was like 13, 14 years old, and like I was 40, in powerlifting. 40 years ago? Yeah, excellent. 42 years ago. Since I'm, <laughs> since I'm a, a master's competitor, a 50-plus competitor now with all the gray in my beard. Um, but I remember, I, you know, I'd always go to the the, uh, the bookstore and get the Powerlifting USA magazine, and I remember uh, I, I brought it home to my mother one time, and uh, my, my total would have put me at, like, uh, I, I, I hadn't competed yet, but I was, like, getting ready for my first show, and uh, my, my, my gym total would have put me, like, you know, number six for teens in the nation. I bring it to my mother. I'm like, Mom, look at this. When I compete, you know, you know if, I, if I can hit what I want to hit, like, I'll, I'll be, like, number five or six. And she looks at me dead in the face. And I love my mom. My mom's one of the most important people in my life. But she, she raised me, like, you know, pr- pretty stern. And yeah. she looks at me dead in the face, and she goes, you're not anything yet. I was like, Ooh, oh, damn. Ice, Ooh, that ice cuts. Cold, yeah. Ooh. And sure as shit, like, I was like, all right, well. Now I'm gonna go. Now I'm gonna go kill it. Well, you know? it's funny because the grass is always greener. I mean, I I grew up and and my mom was always blindly supportive. I mean, to this fucking day, everything I ever did, no matter how nominal, useless, whatever, was just amazing. You know, and looking back to me, I th- I feel like that was a detriment because it always made me accept mediocrity. And and if I wasn't good at something, I just wasn't good at something. If someone right. was great, they were just great, and I always just accepted that. And it wasn't until my really my early 20s when I started doing this you know as a career and and I just kind of started to take off that I was like holy fuck like I could be the best at this if I bust my fucking ass and Mm -hmm. so you know and and I'm sure you and other people that I've spoken to that I've had and and you who have had you know maybe unsupportive parents you were kind of like fuck man I wish but I'll tell you what I I had a mom that was blindly supportive no matter what I did it was fucking amazing and I kind of would have liked her to be on me a little more. I think I would have taken myself seriously at a, at a younger age and perhaps maybe where I am today at 35, maybe I could have been there in my mid to late 20s instead. But who knows? But but uh, take yeah. uh, Now that we know our traumatic shit show stories, yeah. Evan. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, 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 that's, a, that's something that I, I think is, a, is a, I think just about every male and female that does this at a very high level probably started with some type of trauma, some type of being bullied or whatever it may be. And there's obviously tens of millions of people that take their health seriously and exercise to be healthy. And it's, it's a passion of theirs. But I think those of us that have kind of risen to the higher ranks probably started from some, some type of trauma, something that we're trying to, you know, manifest into something good, you know, to prove people wrong. Yeah. But continue. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Um, yeah. So after I graduated high school, I was super, super committed to uh, being a pro wrestler. I was just always, always a fan of it. I watched WWF, WCW. Who were your guys coming up? Growing up, I liked Goldberg. I liked Batista. I liked Kane. Kane was a big, was a big one for me. I liked, really? Yeah, I loved how he was just essentially just a ball of anger and rage. Yeah. As a, 
as a as a younger person that was very angry a lot of the time growing up. I was a very angry kid, and um, like that character that he portrayed on on TV just resonated with me for some reason. Like I mean, to this day, if you watch any of my videos or anything like that, if I go for like a super 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 heavy anything, I have Kane's theme song playing. Genuinely, <laughs> Gen- Slow Chemical by Finger Eleven. I love that song. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that I just- was a Hardy Boys guy. Hardy Boys. Ah, the Hardy Boys. Yeah. The still, high flyers. Yeah. As, as far as far as the, as far as super heavyweights, though, Goldberg was always my guy. Oh yeah. He was he was he was big. He was jacked. He was badass, and he was like super athletic too. Yep. And then obviously Stone Cold because I was a big drinker. Oh, gotta love. Stone Cold. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always thought the Rock. Was, I was I still to this day I think the Rock's a fucking tool. And and he and Stone Cold had their riff for a while. And, yeah. Um, so I re- I really liked I really liked you know um, Stone Cold side of that. So he th- those were my guys coming up. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll tell you, man. Trish Stratus was my first love for sure. Uh, I wouldn't oh call it love. God. She just made me yeah. realize like, oh, I'm a man and I have a dick and this is what it's supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> she was amazing. Uh, See, I, I had a huge heart on for Lita. Um, Lita was good. Lita was good. Line, you know who I like? Trish liked? Stratus was so sexy. Tr- Lita, Lita and Trish Stratus were both good. I liked Mickey James. Oh, okay. I really yeah. liked Mickey James. There was yeah. like something like, like girl, next loose, sto- like, girl next story yeah. kind of that yeah. it just. At the time, I didn't know what the fuck it was doing to me, but yeah. now I look back and it's like, oh, dude, I just like, fucking I figured that shit turned out me quick. the fuck yeah. on. Yeah. That's all it did. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I I really wanted to get into WWE. I wanted to. I had that whole dream. I wanted to go to WrestleMania. I wanted to win the belt. All that good stuff. So I found a wrestling school in Philly, which was like an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty away from where I was. So I would make that trip out there and then come back four times a week to train and then help out at the shows on Saturdays and all of that good stuff. And one day somebody came up to me and he said, hi, um, you don't know me, but I'm buddies with the guy who runs talent relations for WWE. And I think you have a really good look. I think you have a lot of potential. Do you mind if I snap a picture of you, take down your information and send it over to him just to just to see if he'd be interested? And I was like, I, didn't, I don't really have anything to lose. So worst case scenario, nothing happens. So, fuck it. I said, go ahead. And he did. And I got a call a month later from uh, the talent director of WWE offering me a week-long tryout in Florida. Come on. 18 years old. And I went Dude, down. what's that like? You open that letter and get that call. It's like, oh, that was, shit. oh, I thought my dream was coming true. Yeah. I thought my dream was coming true because I knew that going down there, I was going to put everything into it. I showed up every day to the training center in a suit. Every single day I showed, up in a, I showed up in a suit. Yeah. I shook hands with everybody. I made sure that everybody knew who I was and knew, knew what my name was. I got in the ring. I did the best that I could with the very, very almost no experience that I had. Never competed in front of a live show before WWE either. So never, <clears throat> never did anything in front of a live crowd. Um, I, on promo day, I cut a promo and then pretty much just tried to make friends with as many people as I could. And then after the week was over, I went back to Pennsylvania and I went back to my day job, went back to going to Philly for uh, three, four days a week. And I want to say maybe a month or two after that, I got a call from John Laurinaitis offering me a three-year contract. Ended up moving down to, ended up moving down to uh, Tampa, Florida, where the training center was. This was before it was NXT, it was FCW. Moved down there. Uh, trained, started competing in front of show, uh, crowds and all of that good stuff. And one match I had with Eric Rowan, he gave me a choke slam. It was botched and uh, 
I landed essentially. I landed from his extended arm. He's like six nine. Yeah, he's a big six ten. Yeah. From his extended arm, uh, choke slam got botched. I landed from that on the ground on the back of my head. Jesus, and it gave me a brain hemorrhage in the left side of my brain. That explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was I was always <laughs> fucked up. I was always fucked up. This just made it worse. Three hundred plus pound guy coming seven seven feet off the ground on, on your head. That's that's outrageous. It's crazy. Yeah, there's no way to safely protect yourself from that. And after about six months of being out of action, <clears throat> the neurologist pretty much told me that if I take another hit like that, it'll reopen and then I'll bleed inside of my skull until the pressure would compress my brain and I would die. So wrestling was over. Yeah. Wrestling was done. Got really, really uh, depressed, fell into that hole of anxiety and, and depression. Almost it's kind of like, like, what's next? You're on the highest yeah. high, you're living your dream, and then it's like... Yep. I mean, it's all gone. It, yeah, it's gone. It's, it's all so gone. Where, where do you go from there? You know, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I, I describe it as, for a while, I was in purgatory. No idea where I was going to go. No direction, nothing. Wasn't able to go to the gym to exercise, so I pretty much lost all my motivation. I started eating a bunch of shit, got really, really heavy. I ballooned up to... From like 270 when I got hurt to 385 of really, really bad weight, like two liters of soda every day, whole pizzas every day, like sitting on the couch, watching TV all day, every day, not doing anything. And you're in your early 20s. Uh, I I was like 20. Yeah. Because you started at 18. You've been a couple of years. Yeah. Like eight. I was like 20, 21. And uh, contract ran out. Got out of WWE, and I decided that I've hated what I've looked like in the mirror for so long that my neurologist gave me the okay to start working out again. So I was like, okay, I'm able to work out again. I hate looking at myself in the mirror, and I want to like what I see again. So I'm going to try to be a bodybuilder, like just try to have the best physique I can possibly get. So after about eight months of strict dieting and training twice a day every day, um, I got on stage at the Bev Francis in New York and ended up taking second. Come on. I got, I, I got down to a 240 pounds from 385. Wow. Yeah. Shit. About 140, 140 pounds just melted off. Um, but I, I, I'm proud that I did it. I'm proud that I devoted myself to it. Um, uh, and I proved that I could. That being said, fuck bodybuilding. <laughs> I'm never doing bodybuilding again ever in my life. That diet was miserable. I'm a fat kid at heart. So, no, I'm not doing you that ever again. a Coke again. with grenadine with dinner last night. Dude, I don't give a shit what anybody says. A Coke with grenadine is the best beverage that you can get at any restaurant. Sure, I don't give delicious. a shit. Anabolic. You're goddamn right. It's anabolic as fuck. It's anabolic as fuck. Yeah. Dude, have you ever... Uh... One-to-one ratio this morning, oatmeal to brown sugar. No, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not Do you have a fucking it. problem with my fucking oatmeal? I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm enamored by it. Like, Jesus. And why are you so fucking sensitive about it? Jesus because Christ. ever since I got that fucking oatmeal, it's all you've been fucking talking about. One-to-one ratio. And? What's, what's that line in that, in, that, in that track, the BC Boys track? I like my sugar with coffee and cream. That's you with your fucking oatmeal, dude. It's crazy. Crazy. And, and the waitress, she... The, the ramekins at that restaurant are legit, and she brought over two of them. And she was, and you're they like, are not legit. You're, you're, you're like, this I'll shit do, was smaller than a shot glass. You're like, I'll do one more, and then she brought it by. And you're like, I'll do one more. She was like, What the fuck? But what's she gonna say? Like, look at you. She's like, I'll bring, I'll bring as much. I mean, I'll go back. I'll go back behind the counter and get it. Yeah, that's yeah, too funny. 
But, but uh, uh, <laughs> I, I know I know that previously uh, on on other podcasts, Evan, you've talked about how you've been depressed at certain points in your life. Where does that correlate as far as you think your your traumatic brain injury has anything to do with that? Mm. Or is that more situational based on? I would say that's more situational, honestly. Because did, did, did they speak to you that, that there would be any symptoms um, long oh. term? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, still, I still have symptoms that I deal with to this day. I mean, my short-term memory is absolutely terrible. Um, to this day, I still don't remember about two months, like a month and a half to two months from when I got the injury onward. That's, yeah, I don't, that, that's all black. Yeah. I don't remember any of that at all. I don't remember how I got home that night. I don't, I don't remember what happened the next day. Nothing. It's really odd how, how our, our, I mean, I, I got into a head-on collision the day before my 17th birthday, and I was, I was I'm, I'm sure I was a little out of it, you know, but um, I was interviewed by the papers. I was on the front page of the paper. Um, I spoke to my mom and my brother in the hospital. I mean, I was out of it. I was repeating myself. I was, I was kind of manic. Um, and then I think I was out for two days, and I came to. And still to this day, I don't remember it at all. And I actually drove by the accident site daily twice a day to and from work when i went back and just you know i was dying to recall something i mean i was i was conscious i was interviewed i spoke to my mom and my brother in the hospital i have no recollection of it whatsoever yep. None. very very interesting it's just interesting how that works how, how, you, how our brain can can block things out be it to protect us or be it you know whatever whatever circumstances were going on in our in our minds at that time like you know we were driving but there was no one behind the wheel essentially yep you know yep the lights are on but nobody's home so um Tremendous transformation with bodybuilding, um, but after that first show, you were that, that was it. Just, I I, I knew as soon as that show was over, I was like, dude, I'm I can't do this again. I'm I I, I don't. It's not fun. And I assume your training style when you were bodybuilding was kind of you know a lot of free weights, kind of like the, the Dorian Yates Ronnie Coleman approach. No, no, no. I did more of the um, the modern day Jay Cutler kind of approach. Where oh, it's really? Mostly cables and machines. I, I, I assume that because you're you're a strongman. I wondered if you kind of had that approach with your bodybuilding training, but. After that bodybuilding show, when you, what, what made you decide to transition into strongman? Well, my mindset after bodybuilding was I really want to I really want to do something competitive that's weightlifting related because I love the way that lifting weights make me, makes me feel. That's not bodybuilding, and it can't be a contact sport because of my fucking head injury. So, in my mind, the 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 situation I was in in my mind, I pretty much picked okay. Well, I have to do powerlifting or strongman. Those are the next two avenues of strength sports and lifting weight competitively. That's no, a, not, that, no, not, not CrossFit? Come on. I'm straight. No no double unders <laughs> for you, dude? No total bar? I could see it. No. Right. No. I, I actually, I have this thing in my body where I have respect for myself. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and something about me walking on my hands for like 20 meters and then like headbutting the ground doing those wonky ass push-ups just isn't appealing to me. Fair enough. Fair enough. But so, so what was strong? <laughs> so, well, actually, um, I, I was originally intending to go to powerlifting first because it was actually simpler. It was just three lifts. It was always the exact same thing. And I thought I never, <laughs> they're lived. in the problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't I mean, learn pros, until I got into strong and cons, right? Pros and cons. You know, it's a kind of this 50, 50 split. You know, you have to decide, you know, when it comes to powerlifting. We had a great conversation about this last night. And Nico and I have talked about this in depth, both being people that have done powerlifting and, and strong and there's pros and cons to both. But the thing with powerlifting is where it's so finite, where it's always, the same thing it just lends itself to paralysis by analysis being way over the top um and there's just it there's just such a broader spectrum not only the entertainment value but training strongman is just so much more enjoyable and less monotonous um the difference i mean there's there's always 
there's there's always vast similarities from from competition to competition, but there's just the right amount of variation for me when it comes to strongman, the events, how things can change. Where powerlifting can become very very monotonous uh, to, to me. So um, I definitely can can see how when you're, especially with your with your more athletic background, you know, you were a performer, you were um, you know, you were in the WWE. Um, strongman would obviously be a much better fit. Yeah, yeah, I I I totally agree, and I'm glad that I I took the avenue that I did. Uh, first. First time I even tried like a log and farmers, I tried them on the same day. I fell in love with it. I thought it was so much fun. I thought it was different and unique. Um, I get told all the time uh, by a lot of different people that I'm I'm really they they like what I bring to the sport because how often do you see guys like they go out there, they lift, and then they just wave to the crowd and walk off. Yeah, like that's it. That's all they do. That's the most excitement that you're gonna get out of them. Um, it's 80% I, of the competitors. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's what, that's what I mean. It's so, not more, you know? So if you go out there and you're getting like super hyped up and worked up and shit, you hit the lift and then you celebrate and you're like throwing, like you take off your hat and throw it in the crowd or you start taunting people or something like that. Like whether it's negative or positive feedback that you're getting, you're getting the crowd involved in it. You're giving them a reason. You're getting them invested in you positively or negatively. You're getting them to watch you. Like yeah. that's entertainment one oh one. Any reaction is a good reaction. It you're not doing your job if the crowd's quiet. That's something that both of you guys know firsthand. It's it's you know, you, you can be the hero, you can be the villain, but either way, it's entertaining, it's captivating, it brings people in. Right. Right. I like to bring that flair to strongman because I don't see it very often and honestly it's just kind of part of who I am. Now as far in, in, in the high you know, and again you compete at the highest level. How do you feel that's received um, by the other competitors? You know, because I, I, I personally... Very mixed. Yeah, <laughs> very very mixed. Yeah. So, yeah. so just like the crowd. Some love it, some hate it. I mean, you know, I can definitely see a lot of competitors kind of taking themselves a bit more seriously and they look <clears> at, <throat> and they want the sport to be taken more seriously and they think that you're, you're kind of infringing upon that. But I think that's very foolish because they have to see the entertainment value. If anything, <clears> it's, it's better for the sport. And also being able to see where it's coming from. Like, right. you know, you, you're, you're trash talking, you're, um, you're, you're, you're gauging how you do that. It, it's not malicious. Right? No, like, like it, but not it's, at all. You know, you, you, something I've experienced with you spending more, more time with you recently is you, you give it, you take it, and it's, it's all love. It's just all yeah, vibe. Of course. And it's, it's all energy. And, um, you know, it takes a certain person to be able to be receptive to that. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Like, uh, there's some guys in the locker room that I, I will not try to like talk shit to like 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 poking fun or otherwise. There's just some guys that just aren't receptive to it all. Yeah. Um I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name them, but there's just there's one or two guys that are just like they put off the vibe of like, don't fuck with me. I'm just here on business. Yeah. Um there's guys that I can fuck with and all of that. I'll say to my face anyway, um everybody is very like you said, everybody's very understanding that I'm doing it for a reason. I'm doing it for the entertainment factor. Whether they engage with me in that or not, that's kind of person to person. But for the majority, um, at least people who have brought it to my attention personally, nobody's ever really given me like nobody's ever nobody's ever really thought that I was I was being malicious or that I was doing something negative for the sport or anything like that. Everybody understands why I do it for yeah. the most part. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. it seems that it's well received, but I think that's also a testament to you that you know your boundaries. You're yeah. able to see like this guy's just not about it. You leave him alone, do his thing, respect him as an athlete, and yeah. move on. But then you have these guys over here that you can kind of collaborate with and go back and forth. I mean, that's something that um, I really value that I learned when I first started fucking around with Nico is, 
one, one of the first things he said to me when we started kind of training together and been to a couple competitions is he kind of like looked at me in a very, very serious too, like trying to like sit me down and teach me a lesson. He was like, hey, um, we're going to need you to start talking some more shit. <laughs> and I was kind of like, because, in, and I, I like getting excited. I like getting fired up, but I also am, am apprehensive to, 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 to be that way for one, because I don't want to be a bully. I don't want, I don't want people to not feel right. welcome and, and, um, and, and under, and I could see people definitely not being receptive to it and take yep. it the wrong way. Oh God, yeah. And two, I would hate to talk a bunch of shit and, and lose. Cause yep. then I don't know, I'd crawl into a hole for a month. You wouldn't see yep. me. Um, I've been fortunate that I've been able to be successful thus far, but, um, He's absolutely right. I mean, it adds such a. Ima- I mean, think about pro wrestling. It's it's huge. It's so well received, and and it's it's this massive. Um, there's this massive drive, and, and it draws so many people. And it, it's a show. It has well, everything to do with um that piece of it. I mean, that's the whole deal. Where I mean, I, I remember two years ago, uh, when I was injured, I went down to OSG just to support some friends, and I had dinner with a few of them afterwards. And um, you know, I was hurt, so I was just kind of quiet and taking everything in. And, um, you know, one of them kind of asked me, like, you know, what did you, you think of the show? And I was like, well, you know, it's pretty good, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, what, what, what Strongman is, is sorely lacking is, is, is the entertainment value. And one of them, I'm not going to say who it was, and it's not really pertinent, but they go, well, we don't want this to be WWE. And I go, why not? WWE is a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. And I think that's the whole thought process of, you know, and Evan knows better than anybody else. You know, in the UK, this sport's huge. Oh God! Yeah. I mean, they sell out arenas. It's a culture over exactly. there. Yeah, and I mean, if you know, the whole point to any of this, like any any business, is to make money. And if you can't get fans to have an emotional uh, response to you and want to take out their wallet and pay X amount of dollars to pay for a ticket to come see you perform, then you've lost. You know, so and I, you know, I I see what Evan does, and you know, I think it's uh, whether whether you whether you like it or you don't like it, people that like Evan tune in to see Evan do well. People that don't like Evan tune in to see Evan do bad. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because they all tune in yep. regardless. Yeah. So and yeah. also to play to that point, you know, there's definitely a happy medium in between being very distinguished and quiet and the WWE. You right. Know, you can find something in the middle. I would say leaning more towards the WWE entertainment value, getting getting competitors interacting, getting on each other a little more, I, I think could, could really propel the sport to the next level and beyond. Well, I mean, you know, perfect example. And, you know, we, we were just out at the Olympia for, uh, for, for ASM. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity. ASM at the Olympia in front of a bunch of fans that had never seen the sport before, right? Awesome opportunity to introduce the sport to a new fan base and have, have new fans come into the sport and, and, and garner some, some steam. And, uh, you know, I, I know he's one of your buddies and he's not the loudest guy, but, you know, Bobby won the deadlift and they asked to interview him and he said no. He waved it off. Why? And I was just, I, I have no idea why, but he just, he did. So then, so instead of Bobby, they interviewed uh, Austin Andrade. Um, and they put the microphone in his face, and like many other competitors, the guy's like, "So, uh, you know, how, how, what do you think of that event?" And he's like, "Well, uh, you know, um, it was okay. It was, I, I think I did pretty good." And I'm there in the crowd, like chewing through my <laughs> lip, because I'm just like, "Dude, 
give them something. something. Come on, you know? Like, this is, you're in front of a crowd at the Olympia, like, this is your chance to get the hooks in them, you yeah. know? And also, you, you, you just airmap the 900-pound trap bar. Like, right, you're, like, yeah. You're not fucking excited at <laughs> right. all. Come uh, on, yeah. give me something. So, and I just, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the big thing is that when you, when you, you know, especially like World's Strongest Man or the Arnold, or when you get the opportunity to have a microphone put in front of your face, 30 seconds of an open microphone on a national platform can make you a millionaire. Absolutely. So, you know, and these guys just, they don't grasp the gravity of that situation and they fucking blow it every time. And it drives me insane. Well, here's a perfect example. And it's, it's what I described to you yesterday. I don't know if I told you yet, Steve, but when I was competing in Giants Live Glasgow in 2021, I was competing against the Stoltmans and like a list of other really good guys, Maxime, Kevin Fairs, all kinds of guys like that. The only people, and I judged this based on, because before the show starts, we each walk out. We have like a 15, 20 second walkout with our flags, they're playing music, all of that. The only people, and I was paying attention to this, the only people that got reactions from the crowd was um, Andy Black, because he's Scottish, and the Stoltman brothers. They were the only ones that got a reaction. Everybody else was quiet. And that's how it was through the first, second, and third event. The only people that elicited any reaction outside of Kevin Ferris getting the world record Denny Stonewalk, but even after that, it was just quiet. They were the only ones that got a reaction. It was all positive. So me being the, the entertainer in me came out a little bit. I was like, okay, my job is to get a reaction from you. As an athlete, I'm supposed to do well in the show, and I'm supposed to get a reaction from the crowd. If you guys are not going to cheer me, I'm going to make you boo me. I'm going to do something you're not going to like. So a lot of a lot of the shit that I get online is for the WWE persona that I bring to Strongman. Oh, it's cringy. He needs to stop doing that. This isn't wrestling. All that crap. But they're still talking about it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So the next event is Car Walk, and I'm up against Tom Stoltman. I'm in second. He's in first. I'm chasing him. Yep. In my head, when I'm in that car right before the whistle blew, I'm like, I'm gonna beat you because I know I can, and then I'm gonna make this crowd hate me. I'm going to make this crowd hate me. Bold. So I beat Tom in the, in the, in the walk. I drop the car. I do my whole like, like yelling and hoot and holler. And I take my mouthpiece out. And I spike it on the ground and all that. And then I leaned over outside of the windshield of the car and I got Tom's attention. And I got, I got like as close to him as I could. I looked him dead in the face and I did the John Cena. You can't see me. <laughs> did, he, did you know what that was? You know, what's that mean? <laughs> Dude. So like, do I, I have shit on my face or something? <laughs> Dude, the second I started doing that, the wave of just booze hatred. and hissing yeah. and, and hatred for me. It was something I could physically feel. It was so which is, strong. Which is awesome when you elicit a response from a crowd. 100%. Yeah. They fucking hated me when I did that. Every single person in that, in that stadium, which was about eight, ten, eleven thousand people, were all like in agreement. Fuck Evan Singleton. And, and Fuck the, that guy. The, the great thing about that is that, you know, coming from a wrestling background myself as well, you know, that, that's so when you get a crowd to boo you, that, that, that's called heat, right? And anybody can get cheap heat. Like, you walk out into a town and you go, 
we're in Pawtucket right now. You can walk out and go, Pawtucket sucks. And yeah. of course they're going to boo you. That's cheap heat. Well, but to, would be like, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> 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 that's but, to, but, but, but to know that, you know, Tom, Tom's their hometown boy. Yeah. And to, for him to do something to elicit a response from them to co- almost come to Tom's aid and have them hate him. That's good heat. That's real heat. No, yeah. but this, this, and, and your wording of you got to get the hooks in, right? Or was it you? That was me. You. Yeah. yeah. When you said you got to get the hooks in, I was like, all right, the, the post event interview is what I'm going to sink the hooks in. I'm going to get them for the rest of the, the rest of the show, the stone run and all that shit. I'm interviewed by Kaz about beating Tom. And the second that he stops asking me a question and puts the mic in my face, the booze started again. Right. And they yeah. started booing. And I went. And you're able to feel that. You and I literally that, that went. That fuels you. That yeah. Game. No, absolutely. If, any, if anything, I was ready to do another, another fucking uh, yoke race. I was fucking hyped. Right. So the question was like, how are you, how are you feeling after, after that car walk or some shit like that? Puts the microphone in my face. They started booing. And I went. Oh man, that felt good beating him in Scotland. <laughs> I came here to do one thing, Kaz, and that's take that gold trophy from those two Stoltman boys and then just hiss and boo rained on me. The I, I fed off of that. That was oh mwah, chef's kiss. That was beautiful. It's like in the old days when they had to have Roddy Piper escorted from the, the <laughs> arena so he wouldn't get stabbed. That's gonna be you yep. soon. I hope that is me. Well they they were actually they were actually joking about uh, me getting stabbed by Scott because there was one of the guys who was working the production for, for Glasgow backstage. He wasn't one of the normal Giants crew. He was someone that works for Glasgow. Right. And he had a kilt on. And me, like one or two other guys, uh, were outside just getting fresh air. And those two guys were walking in. We were all bantering and giving each other shit. And they decided to jump in. And my first response was, I'm not going to take any shit from a guy in a fucking skirt. (laughs) Oh, man, did they get pissed at that. (laughs) Apparently, that's a huge deal over there. Yeah, that's a no, that's a no, no. The other guys were like, dude, you're going to get fucking stabbed if you say shit like that. (laughs) Not here. You can't say that here. Tom, hold your side of the hand. I know what you're doing, and I'm all for it, but... Pad the fucking brakes, dude. But I'll tell you, dude, I mean, listen, th- that's brilliant. It's brilliant, and um, it, it says a lot about you to, to be able to have, like, the poise and the character to, 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 to lean in on that and, and take that and to be able to absorb it and turn it into fuel. Yep. And like, like we're talking about, I mean, wrestlers have heels, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it, it takes a really special person to be able to uh, adopt that role and be able to perform and use it as fuel like you did. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you, you and Tom, you know, he, he Oh no. Yeah. He knew what I was doing. He thought it was funny. Yeah. He thought it was funny. I can, I can mess around with, you know, what's actually funny. (laughs) There's a funny story. World's strongest man, 21. I figured out that the only person that I can't, like, I don't have the ability to top anything that they'll say back to me is Tom Stoltman. Oh yeah. I can't fuck with Tom Stoltman. (laughs) And I'll give you, I'll give you the exact reason I learned. I'll give you the exact time that I learned this. I'm sitting in the backstage area at World's Strongest Man in Sacramento in 21. I'm sitting there at my bag, and Tom, Luke, and I think Cushy, Luke's wife, they were all walking by, and completely unprovoked, was completely unnecessary for me to say this, but I said, ah, fuck it, I'll say it anyway. I got his attention, I went, hey, Tom, and then he looked at me, and I said, you're weird looking, your eyes are too fucking close together, and he looked at me, and he just went, uh. <laughs> 
And then he kept fucking walking. I was like, untouchable. He wins. I don't know. I have nothing to give to that. He won in that exchange. And then from there on, I was just like, that's the one guy I can't mess with because he'll win. Yeah. <laughs> you had to no-sell something like that. I know, right? Shit, you know? I know, right? <laughs> So, oh. so um, to, to back things up a little bit, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. Can we talk about, you know, you started doing Strongman. You started competing. Can you talk to uh, Nico and I Nico and I about, and the listeners, of course, because they're out there. But tell us about um, the process of you rising up the ranks in Strongman. You started doing local shows. And, and what, what was the process in getting from, you know, from, from starting to Giants to World's Strongest Man? All right. Well, uh, my first competition ever was North Carolina's Strongest Man in 2018. Uh, the first place in the open category was given an invitation to Giants Live North America. How, how did you get to North Carolina from from Pennsylvania? You I, just, saw, I just drove. You just drove? Yeah. You decided that looks like a cool show. We'll go do it. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, right. I, I looked at the show. Uh, like did a, you do it because it was a Giants qualifier? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I, I yeah. literally, when I first started competing... And I like when I when I first started training and I started taking it really seriously. I was committed to one thing and one thing only: winning World's Strongest Man. Right. Like two weeks into my not training, not much has changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, two weeks into my training, I was like, I want to do this until I win Worlds. Right. Excuse me. So, I found a competition where first place in the open category goes to Giants. Giants goes to Worlds. So that's the avenue I want to go to. Right. Did the competition? I trained so for that, it. So that was the incentive to to train for and sign up for that show is because you knew it was it would get you to Giants. Yeah, hundred percent. What were the events? Do you remember? It was an overhead press medley, a Hummer tire deadlift for reps, farmers. Oh, so like all your best events, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Stones. It was a Lynn Morehouse show. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Was, yeah, yeah. Lynn, Lynn was the first comp I ever did. Gotcha. What was that last event? It was a it was a loading medley. All right. So, pretty good events for me. Yeah. Um, trained them really hard. And the implements were all probably top-notch. If it yeah, was the like implements show. were really good. Yeah. Where were you trained? Really you were in uh, Pennsylvania. Where were you training at the time? McMillan's Training Systems, my original home gym, powerlifting and strongman gym, has every piece of equipment you can think of. Nice. Um, Rick and Lauren McMillan, I love them. I love them to death. They've helped me so much. So, did um, you win that North Carolina show? I did. I ended up winning that show. I beat, like, Zach Hodge, Wesley Claiborne, Anthony Furman, starting to make his jump into super heavyweight. Uh, yeah. How'd that go? Uh, I think he got like lower mid pack. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Stan Carradine. Like, okay. like my first competition, I was going up. Against so some real heat. This was after Zach Hodge competed in the um, uh, Arnold, Arnold, Ohio too. Yeah. So I was going up against world's strongest man competitors and the Ohio competitors. Yeah. And I beat them. My first comp. I think I was in the lead going into stones by like eight points. Wow. Yeah. It was a good lead. And was everyone just like, who the fuck? Is nobody this guy? even, it was funny because at North Carolina's nobody even talked to me until the third event. <laughs> Once I started like doing really, really well is when everybody started hanging out with me and taking pictures with me. And stuff. But sure. It was really cool. It was, it was funny because like sleeper, the first sleeper in the ranks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently everybody on the live feed, because Lynn is in with like giant, the giants people, everyone right. on the live feed that was watching the competition was talking about me going, who in the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? Which I thought was awesome. But um, I won that comp, qualified for Giants Live North America in 2018, and just made a lot and lot, a lot of mistakes, um, as you would be. What well, was your second, second show, show, right? Ever, right. Your second show ever. Um, made, a, made a lot of mistakes. And uh, who, who, was, who, was, uh, who were the top guys in that show? Lawrence Shawley won, 
and then it was uh, Kevin Fairs got third, and Trey Mitchell got second. Okay. Uh, so were, top, 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 top guys. guys. Yeah. yeah, Spencer Remick was there. Right. Uh, Ken Nowicki was there, who runs Cerberus. Uh, Mark Felix was there. Like, right. Like, yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a tough. Rob Kearney was there. Um, yeah, it was. A, it was a solid field. It was a solid. So, so l- let's just like be clear for for that to be your second show. Yeah. And you come up against that lineup. Yeah, That's a thinking. pretty tall order, man. What about you know? the first show? <laughs> Talk about just like jumping into the deep end, man. Yeah, right. right. I mean, I, 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 I knew what I wanted, and I knew how I had to get there. It was through Giants. So how, how, how long were you, were, you, were you prepping training specifically for Strongman before that first show? Three months, maybe. Wow. Crazy. Three months. You had a pretty good base training Jay Cutler bodybuilding style. Apparently. Jump right over. The Apparently. Well, the first that. time I ever touched a log, I did a 315 log. Well, First so time what, I ever did stones, I did a 408 stone. Wow. Yeah. What, what was the result of the second show? I place? ended up getting eighth. Out of? 13? I mean, st- I think. 13? <laughs> In that kind of competition, man, for your second show, not, not too shabby. Yeah, it was all right. It was, it was the events... And the weights, the weights weren't the issue at all. Right. It was just a lot of stupid rookie mistakes right. like that everybody makes when they start competing. Right. I wonder how much your, your background in WWE and performing in front of a, a crowd benefited you. Oh, you a know? lot. Because I bet uh, that's the thing with people a lot of the times, you know, with, with competing at all, never mind on a big stage, is, is the butterflies. and Oh, nerves will blow you up people. like nothing. Oh, you know? and, gotcha. that, and that must have not been a factor for you at all. Oh, no, it was. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because of how well you did two massive shows like that. Um, I'm trying to find, like, you know, what, what, what's the difference? What, what, what made you able to be as successful as you were so quick jumping into something? And I'm sure your background in WWE helped with that. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, because that's, that's one of the number one things that every promoter, excuse me, of every competition that I've been in, it's what they talk about. I'm always referred to as the guy who's the ex-WWE wrestler. Always. It always gets brought up. And I get it. It's like a... It's like a, a good tagline. It, it stands out. People have a good reference to what that is. It's pretty mainstream. I get that. But um, I would say that that definitely helped me, especially because uh, the promoters, every, every promoter knows that I have that showman part of me. And every promoter, whether they want to admit it or not, every promoter wants that at their show. Yeah. Everybody absolutely. does. Whether they want to admit it or not, they do. Um. Well, it's, I, it sells tickets and exactly. generates revenue, sells, so why wouldn't it? It sells tickets, and it's entertaining. It makes your show quality better. So, but, but yeah, I, uh, I ended up coming eighth in there, and I wasn't really sure where to go from there. So it was at, actually after Giants, I really realized that I need experience because I, like, I'm strong enough easily. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing at all. So I decided I signed up for OSG in 2018. Uh, got it to the top 10. I was fighting for second place. Was there a qualifying uh, process for that? Or because of your Giants, you were able to get in? Um, no, I think I just signed up for the open category. I think this was before they did the online qualifying uh, process. That was, that was well, 2018 18. would have been the first or second year for us. Second year. Second, second year, year yeah. yep. This was before the online qualifier or anything, so I just signed up for super heavyweight yeah. or open, whatever. Um. Yeah, and I went out there, I did that. Um, again, made a lot of rookie mistakes and ended up like with like the lightest injury ever. I just got like a little bit of a muscle twitch in my lat and my shoulder after I fucked up the sandbag and uh ended up taking I think I was seventh ish, somewhere around there. I don't really remember. 
So I walked away from that and I just, honestly, I went back to the drawing board and I started really, really hammering every event and just getting stronger and stronger and more comfortable with it, trying to get the mistakes out in training so that I didn't make them in competition. Yeah. So I spent a good amount of time doing that. And to, to my surprise, like North Carolina's, uh, they weren't doing the invite to giants for the super heavies again. So that Avenue was closed. So I was kind of like, okay, well, what's the next step? Do I go to, do I go to Strongman Corp and I try to get into the Arnold? Like what's the next step? Cause I want to go fucking pro and I want to, I want to make money at it. And I want to be, I want to be up there with the best. And out of nowhere, I got the, I got the wild card invite to come back to giants live North America which I'm very thankful for. I think, again, I'm that sure had, your, your heel tactic is I mean, <laughs> along with your strength and athletic right, prowess, obviously, right. but that's what got you there. I mean, they, they were keeping an eye on me in between those shows uh, just to see my progress. I'm, I'm almost 100% confident that I got the wild card invite for that because of the WWE thing and the entertainment factor. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, and, it. and that's the thing, too, is that there's absolutely no shame in, in, in you know, uh, marketing yourself because no. if, if you look at you know you look at this the evolution of the sport in the last ten years, especially nowadays, you have you know the the top top guys in the sport, and then right beneath those, you know, eight to ten guys are a hundred that are the next you know the next batch that on any given day, yep. any of us can beat any of us, but. You know w- what separates you out is if you have something that that, that kind of X factor. Whereas you know, and that would be a reason why they're going to invite you to something because again, I mean, I hate to harp on it, but it's like, what what do you besides being able to compete and being a competent competitor? What do you offer the company? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's really what what they they look for as far as you know. So as far as Evan getting a wild card, it's it's no surprise because it's like why wouldn't if you have if you have six athletes, all of very similar abilities, and one of them has a ability to generate you far more revenue than the other, you'd be a fool yeah. <laughs> to not, you know? Yeah, so it's like, right, 100%. And that's where I think a lot of these guys, you know, fall short is that they don't, they, number one, they, they, they don't do nearly enough self-promotion. And the, the worst thing you could ever be in any business is boring. And mm-hmm. just so many guys in this sport, like, and, and, and I've made so many great friends in this sport. I really have. I, I have guys that I consider closer than brothers, but it's just like, you know, you have to find a way to get yourself to the next level. And with so much top talent around right now, you have to separate yourself out from the pack any way you can. Yeah. And, you know, so for you to be able to get an invite like that, you know, I'm sure it probably rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way, but fuck them. You I know? Agree. <laughs> so you did what you had to do to get yourself to where you wanted to be and the more to you for it. Yeah. So, well, the difference between a lot of people trying to market themselves, but not really being able to back it up. The difference between them right. is that I'm able to back it up because right. what happened from that you took wild words out of my mouth. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You, like you're, 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 you're like, I'll not to make your character on a video game. You're like 10 out of 10. Charisma. Yeah. Yeah. And entertainment value <laughs> and yeah. arguably top tier in your, um, in your, in your abilities as well. So why yeah. wouldn't you get the invite? Yeah. I mean, like not only was I able to, to portray a character, I was able to, to, to banter. I was trying to be entertaining and all of that good stuff. I was trying to be something special to strong man, but I also produce, produce the results. And right. the perfect example is that, is when I went to Giants Live North America 2019, I won. Yeah. I beat Mark Felix, Kevin Fairs, 
Trey Mitchell, Maxime Boudreaux, Bobby Thompson, Wesley Claiborne. Like I beat all of these. Rob Curie. Which, which I beat at, all of them. At that date, the, all those guys you just listed were the next. They're, they're all the top guys right now. Yeah. You know, so. Eddie Williams. Uh, uh, yeah. There's yeah. a long list of people that I, 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 I beat in that competition. What were some of the uh, event highlights of, of that show? Um, Giants is a two-day show? No. One, Giants one. is always a one-day show. Five events? Five events. Nice. It was Max Axel cleaning oh, press. Oh, it's fast. It's fast, too, right? Only it's like fast pace. Well, that's, this is the thing. I, I will give Giants all the credit in the world. Their, their crew is a well-oiled machine. Like, they, they know how to do yeah. everything. They're like, they a, are they're like a NASCAR pit crew. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like, when it comes to setting up, breaking down and setting up for the next event, and like, for the next event after that one's done, nobody's better. Nobody's faster. Nobody's more efficient. Yeah, and just the dynamic of it being a you know a 12, 15 person show lends itself to just be smooth, mm-hmm. super sharp. But as a competitor, I mean, that's got to be a lot different. Even local shows like the shows we have here, you still have an hour, hour and a half in between events. We have sixty competitors. Yep. Um. So that that's a that's a different animal. Yeah, I want to say that there's probably a twenty minutes in between events. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, it's like a workout. Yeah. Yeah. yeah essentially. You know? Yeah. Like. Um, it's Giants is a very fast paced show and people who go to Giants for the first time, they're just not used to that. They're really not. Right. And that's where I kind of, I feel like that's where I kind of thrived a little bit because my endurance and stamina is through the fucking roof. Yeah. I can go all fucking day. I can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I busted my ass in training. I produced the results. I ended up winning the show. I qualified for world's strongest man. Uh, yeah. And that's pretty much how I got to world's strongest man. I, I, Talk the talk, and then I walked it. Was that the first year that you actually competed, or were you, no? So it's you, actually funny because a little bit of backtracking. Um, before I got my wild card invite to Giants North America, I was invited to be the equipment tester and an alternate right. in World Strongest Man 2019. So I went down to Bradenton, Florida. Um, I did all the equipment testing, and before the competition started, nobody got hurt. So I was out of the competition. Um, I asked them, like, I'm still going to be here for a couple of days. Do you need help doing anything else? Mm-hmm. So they gave me a white shirt and a whistle and a time, uh, a stopwatch. So I was a backup timer for Magnus for Magnuson. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was when I got to meet everybody, too, for the first time. Like Brian, Thor, uh, like, you name it, the Stoltmans. That's when I met everybody for the first time. Which, in, you know, situations like that, I think people so undervalue like they think any, anybody that thinks like shit like that is beneath them has no idea what the sport's all about. That's 100%. Huge, dude, that's a huge issue and dynamic in the world today when it comes right. to people who, you know, won't get a fucking job unless it's the perfect job. Like right. networking, shaking hands, meeting people. A hundred percent. Is, yep. is, 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 yep. is literally fucking everything. It, yep. can, it can literally change the trajectory of your life. Just Absolutely. I, I, I mean, just to, to, to make the point, the only reason that we're sitting here right now is because when I was injured, I went down to OSG, which is where I met Evan. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's, it's just as simple as that. Right. You know? mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I think about, you know, where I sit right now, I had no intentions of being a trainer. I, um, it, it wasn't my path at all. But um, when I graduated college, there, were, there was no work in trades. And a bar that I used to uh, perform at, I used to play music with my mom at this local pub, Curly's Pub. And I came home from doing a tree job. And my mom was close with the owner. And she was in my pool. And I got out of my truck. And um, her name was Marianne Curly. And she was like, what's Steve doing for work? And she's like, he's just picking up side work, doing tree jobs and construction. Um, and she's like, didn't he go to college? And she's like, yeah. Um, he went to Bridgewater. He exercised, he, he graduated exercise phys. And she's like, the bartender at Curly's is the manager at Boston Sports Club in Providence. He should inquire about a job. And here I am. 
on my own gym. I mean, it's just a matter of just knowing the right people, meeting the right people, and just putting yourself out there. Yeah, you know, you let me let me show you. Let me let me. Let that me has to be the fastest track, the world's strongest man. It's like one of them, ever though. It's got to be. Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of them. I would say Mitch Hooper probably has the fastest. Yeah. Well, he got, he got a wild card invite as a reserve. But he did, got he, did, he did four shows before he got to Worlds. How many did you did do? He? Yeah. Oh, two. Two. Oh, three. So there you three. go. But two of them were giant shows. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's yeah. ridiculous. That's, people, yeah, a lot uh, of people go through a lot of shows to qualify for giants. You just yeah. fucking made it happen. It's awesome. Um, but I'll give you a little bit more context into uh, how much the invitation to be just a, 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 a backup and an equipment tester for worlds me. Cause like, like I was, when I tell you that, like I was committed to this, like I was committed. Like I already had it made up in my mind. I'm going to do whatever I have to, to make it to world's strongest man and win. I will do whatever I have to. So I was working at a job. I had three jobs at the time. And one of them, the main one, I was, uh, I was in Pennsylvania and I was making boilers from scratch. Like I would have all the hardware. I'd put them all together. Industrial size, residential home boilers. What a shit job. Man. Oh, it's terrible. I <laughs> fucking hated that job. Great. Fucking hated that job. God, it was terrible. So that every was day you job. show up, you're like, up oh, making another fucking boiler. Yep. Let's fucking go. Assembly line, fucking <laughs> boiler bullshit. Yep. Um, but I, I went to my boss and I was like, Hey, I got this really amazing opportunity to go to world's strongest man. Um, it's going to be about two weeks that I'm going to need off, but I really, really need the time off. I don't care if you don't pay me. Like, it, right. like, like, I don't care if I just go unpaid for that time that I'm not here. I don't care. I just want the time off and I don't want to get in trouble. And he couldn't give it to me. He said like, I'm sorry, but I just can't do that. That's too he long. He couldn't or he wouldn't. But he wouldn't. Right. He was a fucking prick. Yeah, he was exactly. a fat piece of shit. Right. But he said that he wasn't going to give me the time off. So in that exact same conversation, I told him I quit. Yeah. I left. I never went back to the job. Went to World's Strongest Man. I'll figure it out when I get home. Which, get- which I think is the earmark of someone who's truly passionate about something. Because you talk to all these people that they claim to want something. And they claim to be willing to do anything about it. But then they go to their boss or something like that. And the boss is like, no. And they're like, well, I can't really get the time off work. And it's like, well, you don't fucking want it bad enough then. Yeah. So, but anyway. Yeah. The, amount, the, <laughs> the think- amount of people that I fucking talk to. Like, I, I, I love hearing that people are motivated and people want to take the next step in their career, whether that be with straw man or whatever. Or they anything. just want to move up the ladder right. in life. I love hearing that, but it's just, it to me, it irks me when you say it, but then there's an instance, like you said, where your boss is being a dick and you just kind of give into it. It's like, right. there's a real, there's a real world reason that I understand why you do that. But in my mind, the only thing I'm thinking of, well, you don't want it that bad. Right, 100%. But also your experiences with your, with your brain injury, coming back from that, mm. um, all the weight gain, all kind of stuff like that, those experiences lends itself for you to realize that you have the character and the ability to do whatever it takes to just make it fucking work. Yep. And I think everybody has that in them somewhere, but they haven't had those experiences and made the choice to rise above it to accept the fact that, that, that you, you can fucking do it. You can do anything, especially today. The resources are out there. It's available, but you just have to be fucking relentless, and you can't yep. make excuses, and you have to find uh, solutions. And I bet when you uh, quit that job, you weren't nervous at all. Nope. You were like, I'm, gonna, I'm going in. I'm going to do and, and, and if this world's strongest man thing doesn't work out, I'm going to get another job, and I'm going to do mm-hmm. what it takes. I'll figure it out. Yep. fucking easy. Yep. Yeah. I'll figure it out when I get home from Worlds. I don't care. I'll yeah. figure out another way to make money. I don't care. People ask a lot um, when, when I took this jump to go on my own if I was ever nervous. And I just, I'm not, you know, 
now that now that it's successful, I'm not looking back and trying to boast and, and talk shit. Like I genuinely was never nervous for a moment because I knew that whatever happened, no matter what it takes financially, I was going to be able to. I was going to do what it took to to make it work. And mm. there's plenty of other fucking guys that I would like to say are much less capable than me that have. So there's no fucking way I won't be able to figure it out. Right. You know, you just have to believe in yourself. And, yeah. And, and and not this like blind, cutesy, I believe in myself bullshit, you know, no. hashtag t-shirt thing, but like truly believe in yourself and, and, and be ready to do whatever it takes to make it fucking work. Yeah. I mean, it's all about your priorities. It really is. It's all about how bad you want it and how much that shit means to you. Yeah. And be able I, to take responsibility and see it through. 100%. I've, I've literally been in a point where I have lived in my car because I couldn't afford rent for a place, so I just stayed in my car for a while. You will really be tested by life when you have no money and nowhere to go, mm. how bad you actually want your goals. When yeah. I was staying in my car, there was, there was a point in my life where I was staying in my car, and I was scrounging my car looking for coins, any kind of money at all. Found $4.11. Yeah. Loose pockets. Yeah, $4.11 and change. Pennies, everything. I took that $4 and I put it in gas so that I could drive to the gym instead of eating. There you go. I have picked yeah. going to the gym to train over eating. So when I hear somebody say that they can't make it to training, right. yeah. you get no sympathy right. from me. I feel nothing for you. I have picked training for strongman over fucking eating. Also, also, you know, I don't have time to eat. I'm so busy, this, that, and the other. It's like bullshit. If you're so busy, if you're working so much, why don't you ever have any fucking money? Why don't you get yeah, right. yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not understanding the fucking correlation here. What, what, what are you so busy doing? Like, are you busy, or can you just not get anything fucking done? Yeah. Like, like what's the explanation? I, I, I just don't buy it. I, I just don't buy it. And, you know, I try and be, you try and be empathetic and sympathetic and try and offer people direction, but they have to be receptive to it. Yeah. You, know? you, you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. So back to your first experience at World's Strongest Man. Um, how, how'd that go and, and take us uh, to the next steps following that? Yeah, well, pretty awful, including every other. You know, it was, <laughs> it was great until the very end. Yeah, well, it was awesome until the very end because I was in a heat with Mikhail Shivlikov, Mark Felix, Kevin Fares, and myself. I believe that was all of us. I think. It may I don't really be for you were in the fucking heat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, you won the first event, right? I won the first right. event, the Farmers Walk. And you did pretty well in everything else. Yes. I was winning my heat going into the final event. The final event was a double pair of dumbbells, clean and press. It got heavier. There was four sets. I remember then, that event. And then at the very yeah. end, it was a circus dumbbell. It was a 224 rep. Super easy, super manageable. I was winning my heat going into the last event. On the second dumbbell clean, uh, on the second clean of the circus dumbbell, I popped my bicep almost completely off the bone. Yeah. And you, and you, you still tried to press oh, yeah. it, didn't no, you? No, no, and you're no. like, you guys will get a kick out of this. Yeah. Because I picked it up. I tried to clean it and it popped and I dropped it. And I knew exactly what I did. I was terrified because this is my first real injury. Right. And I didn't want to believe that it was a torn bicep, but me being who I was, there was still time left on the clock. And I go until that fucking whistle blows. I will go. F I will go until I drop. I'm one of those people. So, fuck it. It's already gone. I grab the dumbbell again, and as I'm cleaning it up to my shoulder, it pops two more times. 
hops two more times. I get it to my shoulder. And the <laughs> second, the second that I take my hand, my stabilizer hand off the dumbbell, just throbbing pain into my arm. Yeah. I went for the press. I went for it. I didn't get it. <laughs> but I went for it. I went for it. Um, and that, and I had to back out of uh, Worlds then because the bicep, distal bicep tendon was completely detached. So I was, I went from winning my heat and going to the final, my rookie year of world's strongest man to having to back out due to injury. Yep. And you've had two world's strongest man appearances since? Yes. Yeah. Which both went equally as horrible. No, no. They were, <laughs> the, these ones kind of sucked from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. All right. True. So in 21, I get to, um, I get to worlds and the second that I touch down, I start feeling sick. And I thought, all right, I'm just new environment, super hot here. Maybe I'm just ac- trying to acclimate as best I can. And the next day I just get violently ill. Like, I don't know what it was. Some kind of a stomach virus bug, something. Um, I spend three days straight in my room, not being able to eat or drink because it lost I like do, 30 pounds, right? 40, 40. Yeah. I lost 40 pounds in three days. I can empathize with that, that I got sick recently. I lost 20 and one. Yep. Yeah. 22 and one. Darren Sadler actually came up to me after the heat was done because obviously me being so depleted, I didn't fucking do well. Go yeah. figure. And Darren came up to me after the heat and he, after the heat was over and he was like, dude, I'm, I'm amazed that you're even out here because you do not look good. You, you're pale and deflated right now. I'm shocked you didn't get hurt. And, and on top of that, can, can you talk a little bit about, uh, I, I vaguely remember, I don't know the specifics of it, but the, with the train push or train pull, yep. wasn't there like a, they left the fucking brake on or something? Yep. Or? <laughs> yep. Uh, the brake was on the, it was supposed to be a harnessed uh, train pool with a rope. Yep. That was the event. So me and Johannes Arjo from Sweden, Big Johnny, he uh, he went first and didn't even budge. Right? Didn't like even budge. Yeah. Johnny was was predicted to win that event. And he's a good puller. Yeah, he's right. A very yeah. good puller. It didn't budge one inch. Turns so out you're the, all probably like, what the fuck? Turns <laughs> out the, br- the brakes. I'm not. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it, it turns out the brakes for the car were still on. So, all right, Johnny, go take a break, and then after everybody else goes, you'll get to go again. Give it your best. So I go up after him when the brakes are supposed, supposedly released, and I go to pull it. doesn't move an inch. Shit. I'm pulling for about 20 to 30 seconds with everything that I have in me, which isn't a lot because of the fucking right. sickness. Yeah. And also because of the sickness, it's not going to come back. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, I'm yeah. not bouncing back from yeah. that. You, you empty yeah. the tank, it's fucking empty. Yep. So it doesn't budge for 20 to 30 seconds of pulling. And I'm like, dude, there's something wrong here. It's not, it's not working. And it turns out that because of the intense heat, something about the braking pad was actually melted to the wheel. So essentially the brakes were, were locked in place. They must have like manually turned the train on and moved it to break it loose. And then, well, what they did was they, they, they got rid of the cart and we just pushed the train engine by itself. Oh, I see. Yeah. So what they did was they changed it from a pull to a push. We got behind it and we essentially just like, like wheel of pain, essentially. Yep. We did that. So, yeah, so now that you're totally that fucked. Yeah. Like how, how, how long of a time span between, not that you could fully recover anyway, but between giving everything you have for 30 seconds on a train with a brake on it to you having to push it. 30 how, minutes. 30 minutes? 30 awesome. Minutes. I'm yeah. sure that felt great. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was 
fucking awesome. A couple Pedialytes, a little little of ammonia. Get oh, no problem. Oh, also, it was amazing because the it was in um uh where the hell was it? Sacramento. It was in Sacramento. The hottest day was a hundred and fifteen degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus. Yeah, we in, were outside of that shit during the middle wow. of the day. Jesus Christ. Sun was at its its highest. It was right above us. No clouds in the sky. It was 115 degrees. Were, was there a lot of, I mean, because it's, it's been in Sacramento the last two years, right? Yes. Have you, I mean, there must be guys cramping up, fucking yep. passing out. Tearing like, shit. Tearing shit. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's uh, unfortunate. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was not, not pleasant. And honestly, World's Strongest Man 21 was just kind of a heartbreaker for me. I mean, they, they were all heartbreakers in their own way. But I went into 21 knowing that I was good enough to get podium. Like, I knew what the events were. They were fucking good for me. I was feeling okay. Um, I got a little bit of a shoulder thing, but it held me back a little bit, but not too, too much. I do the first event, and I'm walking out to the field, and I start feeling like a little bit of tightness in my chest. And I'm like... Nerves, I guess, whatever. And I completely disregard it. And it was a loading race. First implement. The second that I picked it up, I felt like my chest was so tight I could barely breathe. And then by the second implement, I couldn't breathe at all. And to be fair, too, like you said, as far as, you know, I feel like the events that year, you know, you said you were very confident in your ability to podium. You know, that, that loading medley for, for Worlds, was light as fuck. It was. It was like two two fifty sandbags, two two sixty five keg. I'm looking at. I'm, I'm like, are these fucking numbers like is it pounds or kilograms? Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm and I'm just I'm thinking to myself, kilograms would be like a little heavy, but pounds is way too fucking light. But I mean, that's and that's the thing is that you know, obviously, you know, worlds isn't. Uh, you either have to follow a, a spreadsheet on Reddit or whatever. So you know, I, I know what's going on, and and. You were the last heat to go. You were heat number five. Yep. And I was like, man, Evan's gonna, Evan's gonna fucking murder this medley. I'm good at and moving I'm, events. And I'm yeah. trying. I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, I know people, and I'm clicking and refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. And then like I see this thread about like how we got rushed to the hospital. I'm like, what the fuck? Three fucking years in a row. How the fuck can this happen to the same fucking guy? What ended up so, being the cause of it? Anaphylactic shock. I was. I had an allergic reaction reaction to something, and during the event. On the like around the time of the second implement, my throat closed completely. The fuck. So I could I legitimately did was not capable of breathing during that loading race. Did, did they end up televising that? I don't know. I'll be totally honest with you. I I don't watch my performances or right. else on TV. It's 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 too hard for me. Really? No. I mean, I can imagine at beginning, this point, beginning to end, I still have yet to watch any full episode with it. Wow. So that's interesting. Three tough experiences. You took 20, 2022 off, right? I assume. Not no. off, off from training. What, what, what did you, 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 you competed in 2022? I did. I competed in 22. Um, I went into the Giants Live Royal Albert Hall uh, Strongman Classic show in London uh, in July. I went in there um, with a really bad shoulder injury where I couldn't even shoulder press 180 pounds like a dumbbell could not do it for the life of me it was nerve damage and essentially it was something in my neck that was pinched and uh, hurt to the point where my body actually shut all of my pressing muscles off on my right side so my lat my all three heads of my delt my tricep just did not activate at all how did you get that fixed uh east dip electric therapy really yeah essentially i went in and i turned the muscles on manually yep 
after activating them a little bit over the course of a couple of weeks, I started to get my strength back. And, and, you, and you, you competed in that show? I competed in that show, yep. And uh, I ended up taking third, and I secured a spot for Worlds in this year, 23. But it was just a rough year for me, honestly. I mean, I underperformed in everything that I did. At that giant show? No, in everything that I did. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I did. I got third at that show, and I should have been challenging Alexi for first. The show after that was Giants Live, the World Deadlift Championships. I was the returning champion of that show. And I ended up... Uh, I, I, I forget what the official term was. Something related to uh, hypoglycemic, where my sugar intake was so low that my blood flow was actually limited. Your sugar intake was low. Believe it or not. That's shocking. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> I told you, man, this year was a... Fuck, this last yeah. year was a shitty year for me, man. Yeah, I ended up, I ended up not having enough blood flow to my heart that was getting it to my brain. So I, after the second event, I ended up passing out and rushed to the fucking hospital. Well, out of that show. So is that your last show until until nope. now? Then, nope. Then the, well, then the shot didn't really go your way either. If you are, if no, you already no. qualified for Worlds with the the previous giant show, what compelled you to do the the next one? Uh, money, company. daddy. Well, it was a combination of money because winning a giant show, which I'm very capable of doing, is really good money. Yeah, it's a great payday. But it's also a personal thing. I wanted redemption because in twenty in in 2021, I ran shit. That was my year. You won. I, you won. I you won, won two shows. Right? I won two one. shows. I podiumed everything that yeah. I did. I had a I had a Mitchell Hooper year in 21. Yep, I I did. So that third really stung, and you wanted to go back and, and yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to go back and win. I wanted to retain my title. I wanted to deadlift a thousand pounds again. I wanted to do all of that stuff, and I ended up going to the hospital and backing out of the rest of the comp. And that the, had to be fucking the toughest. Dude, I'm not gonna lie, dude. I was crying the entire time in, yeah. in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Not yeah. because I I don't give a fuck about my health. Right. <laughs> no, I, I take care I of you, yeah. I take care of my body. I tr- I make I keep up with my heart and I do my blood work and all that good stuff, but. Realistically speaking, as a competitor, competing means more to me than you'll, my you'll, you'll risk life and limb. I will, I, yeah. I will, I will put myself at death's door right. to win World's Strongest Man. Right. I will do anything short of murdering myself on television. Right. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I want that title more than I want my next breath. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the case with, with a lot of high-level competitors. They did a ton of studies, interviewed countless Olympic athletes, and said if you could take a pill right now that you'd win, but you'd die, would you do it? And, like, to more, like a, a lot of them were like, yeah. 80% were like, yeah, yeah, give me the fucking pill. Yeah, 100%. I'll take that pill. Um, yeah. Eddie Hall, that, that was his jam. He wanted it more than anything. He pushed the limits, and he got it done. And the moment he got it done, he retired. But yep. that's just the mindset. And a lot of the times, more often than not, at the highest level in something like this, that's what it takes. Yep. So I think the real question here is wh- what – I mean, not that you really could have foreseen any of this shit happening, but yeah. what this year you plan on doing differently? Yeah, that, that, was, mean, that, that was exactly my yeah. next question. What's different? Because you're super confident going into, um, you know, the upcoming World's Strongest Man in South Carolina and Myrtle yep. Beach. So, so what's different about this year? Um, it's, it's, it's really good because 2022, um, because of the string of bad luck that I had, um, really affected me negatively mentally. Um, really, really bad. Um, overcoming the injuries and taking the time to really just rest my body enough to really get over everything. I have no more shoulder issues. My bicep is completely healed. Um, I'm getting my blood work done. I'm not going to have any more episodes like I did in Cardiff or World's Strongest Man uh, 22. 
like I'm positive again. I'm actually enjoying training again. Do, do you feel and like that was a result of just seems burning that, the candle I, I had at a both fucking, ends? I had or? a fucking ball working out with it yesterday. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, 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 you lit up the whole gym. I mean, it, it, ah. it shows. Dude, it's authentic. It's really authentic. And as we all know, that shit's contagious. You know, it's, yeah. and it's very, very powerful. Unfortunately, the only thing that's more powerful than that is negativity. You know, if you, yeah. if you if you if you're a bag of shit and you're you're upset, it brings everybody down. But yeah, um, it's fucking electric. And we've always we've always been keeping an eye on each other since we met. Right. And I'm watching, and you look fucking great. And that's why I'm I'm curious about what's going through your mind that would separates this prep from all the rest. The highest of highs in 2021 to the lowest of lows of 2022. It seems like again, you've absorb those experiences and refuse to become a victim of them you yep. went back you figured it out what did i do wrong and it seems like those experiences are, are of nothing less serving you uh going into this 2023 show i would i would say that i'm definitely a lot more confident as far as i don't have any injuries um i'm taking care of myself i'm feeling fucking strong again i'm feeling fast and fit again i can I'm, i've been fucking doing runs and sprints and shit so my cardio and is up my heart is good um the events for Worlds are solid for me. Uh, what I'm, are they this year? Uh, I can actually look them up right, right Bring it up. Right now. What are they? I want to make sure that I don't get in trouble for, t- for saying this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, is it a secret? <laughs> oh, no. They, 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 released, they released them. Yeah. Uh, give me one second. It's right on here somewhere. Well, I mean, while, while you're doing that, I mean, that has to be the biggest takeaway from this episode. I mean, it's something that I speak upon in my own experiences and with a lot of people that I'm fortunate to work with it's you know everybody has bad circumstances bad breaks but it's a choice and it's a very simple choice it's very very easy to become the victim of your circumstances and make excuses and feel sorry for yourself that's the easy route but understanding that trials and tribulations challenges those are the they're vital that's the good shit and if you're able to go back and figure it out um, they can be the most character building experiences of your life and the most important ones. I, I value my mistakes and, and, and the hardest times in my life more than anything because it just makes you a more prepared person for whatever comes next. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I ref- I'm the type of person I refuse to lay down. I, I, I will go until I die. Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head. Honestly, you can just, you, you can, you know how easy it would be for me to just, lay back and just feel sorry for myself like oh everything always always bad shit keeps happening to me when i go to worlds i have the fucking world's strongest man curse first of all i don't use that shit in my vocabulary i don't call it i'm not cursed at world's strongest man i well, don't I say that you're because i go back and look and take responsibility for what maybe you did or, or weren't doing like keeping track of your health markers you know well checking no. all these checking all these boxes you know no, but genuinely what it was was all the shit that happened to me at worlds was shit that i couldn't have predicted and was out of my control yeah but a lot of people, a lot of fans, too, have dubbed it the World's Strongest Man curse. I am cursed at World's Strongest Man. I refuse to accept that terminology or that vocabulary. I am not fucking cursed at World's Strongest Man. I'm going to go to World's Strongest Man. I'm going to go there this year. I'm going to wreck shit. I'm going to get on the fucking podium, and I'm going to show every goddamn person that doubted me this is what I'm capable of. This is the type of person that I am. And one day, you're all going to look to me as your reigning champion. Yeah. That's how I look at and it. And hopefully they can learn from your process, learn from your experience, you know? Yeah, like absolutely. Breaks and they may feel like they're cursed. But, um, you know, I, I will say that if you, get, if you get off the plane and you get hit by like a meteorite and they'll be like, oh, <laughs> Maybe he had to this. say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear the events. All right, the events for Worlds uh, so far, World's Strongest Man says so far the confirmed events are the loading race, the Fingles Fingers, deadlift for reps, vehicle pull, the log ladder, Conan's wheel, 
and toss for time, whether that be kegs or sandbag. Sweet. What's that? Was that six events? Six, six or seven. Th- those have to be the heat, the heat, the heat events, right? Seven events. That's can't, that, that can't be the finals, I would assume. Could be a combination of could, both, could be because if you think about it, there's stone off, and, and then there's the stone run at the end. So there's there's two more. Right. So it's the end of April. We're in the middle of January. So we got January, February, March, April. So a little over three months out. Yep. What do the next three months look like for you in reference to training, preparation? Do you have anything else planned? Any more traveling, or is it just um, all dialed in for 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 the big show? I'm hoping to get invited back to Brian's to train with him. Um, I I went out and trained with him before 21, and I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Um, I'm I'm hoping to get that inv- that invitation again. But honestly, outside of outside of that, like I'm taking this so seriously, man. Like I've yeah, done, as you I've, should. As I've, you should. I've, I've 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 locked in my diet. Um, I've locked in how I'm going to be training, the atmosphere I'm going to train at, the people I'm training with. And I've it sounds like you're really everything. happy in Tennessee. You have a great gym out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super super blessed at Southside, um, Southside Strength and Conditioning. I, I get to train with Adam Dirks, my coach, in person, which is a whole nother a whole nother thing to get to train with your coach in person versus online. Uh, it's a really good crew with an awesome atmosphere. Tyler, Joe, all of those guys, they do a really good job of hype, hyping me up and supporting me when I need it and all of that. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity to train with all these guys. Um, I have every piece of equipment I could ask for, and except the Conan's wheel, except the Conan's wheel, <laughs> except the Conan's wheel. But yeah, the next the next three plus months are honestly just going to be me putting my head down and just putting in the fucking work because I'm my goal is to go into World's Strongest Man um, to bring something that nobody's ever seen out of me before. Yeah. I want to go. I want to go out to World's Strongest Man, make the final, get onto the podium. And put a put a silence to everybody who doubted me, because if there's one if there's one thing that nobody really prepares you for is how fickle everybody is when it comes to you being one of the best in the world. Yeah. Because if you have a, if you have a great season, an awesome show, whatever, everybody's really fast to jump on your dick. Everybody's really fast. Oh, dude. Oh man, I've been watching you for years. You're awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're so fucking strong. You can achieve anything. Yada yada yada. It, 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 it's it's heart stopping. It's heart stopping how when you have a bad year, everybody forgets about you. Everybody forgets about you. Yeah. And that fucking pisses me off because I'm going to go into worlds and I'm going to murder all of these fucking guys that all of you fucking assholes put on a pedestal because you decided to forget Evan's actually a fucking dangerous competitor. That's what I plan on doing. Yeah. I'm going to take the head of every fucking idolized competitor that everybody fucking loves, and I'm going to put that shit on a fucking pike. That's what I'm going to do. As someone that strategically has no problem being the heel and thriving off the negative, uh, the negative attention that you create, you've definitely got to do that job. Got to, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Yeah, and it's got to really, you know, uh, be difficult to have been to Worlds three times and not even really had the opportunity to show what you're really capable of. Thank you. Thank you, because so many people mis- misconstrue it as I go to Worlds and I get hurt. Right. I go to Worlds and I do something to myself that results in me not being able to compete or not make the finals, whatever it may be. Yeah. You're the first person that hasn't been myself that has out loud said, I go to Worlds and I'm not able to put on display what I'm actually capable of. 
That's the worst part. Well, I me. mean, and and not to be the selfish dick of the group, but like I just went through that at OSG. I came back from all my injuries and first first rep of the Viking press feel a pop in my shoulder and I'm like fucking great, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. So and knowing through the whole prep how I felt doing all those events and knowing now that now here I am I'm going to have to try to fight through it cuz I as soon as as soon as I felt it, I put it down because I was like, I just went through all this and I spent this year coming back, and the the, the worst thing that I could do was try to Muscle grind out a rep and blow my fucking shoulder out and be back to square one. Yeah. So I walked backstage and the first one to come up to me was was Steve, and uh, and I was pissed. I took my belt off and threw it across the fucking hall, and Steve was just like, he's like, dude, you know, um, you know, if you kind of like. I, I want to see where your head was at. I want to give yeah. you space because I know you have your own process, but, but, but I you, want to check in. Like, like, where's he at right now? Yeah, and, and he, kinda, he, he was... It's kind of a rhetorical was, question. He was just like, you dude, know? if you can, can kind of see where you're at and if you're able to continue, like, are you going to continue and, like, push for the final? And almost like, not that I was insulted, but, I like, he knows what kind of person I, I am. Like, I looked straight at him and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Of course I'm going to. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I did my best, and it turns out that, you know, three days after, I, I thought it was my shoulder. I had a muscle belly tear in my bicep because three days after, my arm turned fucking black. And uh, w- which, dude, sandbag the shoulder is like my fucking event. I right. love it. It's a fucking great event for me. I've, I've loaded some heavy fucking bags. And that was like, that was the last event before the final. And I was like, this is my fucking event to at least go out swinging and show everybody what I'm fucking made of. Right. And I didn't know my bicep was torn. So I'm trying to get these bags up to my shoulder and I have no gas to like turn them. And I literally like I looked up to the sky and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah. And it was just like it was the most frustrating experience of my life because like I, I you know, I, I went back and I was just like. I fu- and, and to make it like 10 times fucking worse, you know, my coach Derek Poundstone came down and like uh, the last thing I ever want to do is like waste his time. Right. He would never think of it that way. Right. But you know, we, so we just done the deadlift event and I, I tied for a third with nine reps in the deadlift event. And then Colin Bryce came and sat down next to Derek because he's trying to do everything he can to get Derek to come out of retirement because Derek's the <laughs> fucking man. Right. And, uh, and, and Colin is talking about the sandbag event. And uh, he asked Derek, he's like, you know, what do you, what do you think of this sandbag event? And Derek looks at me and he says to fucking Colin Bryce, he's like, he goes, I, I love the sandbag event. It shows who has the biggest fucking balls. And this guy right here is one of the best fucking sandbaggers in the world. And then I go out and shit the fucking bed and make him look like a fucking douchebag. And uh, that literally fucking bothered me. And he, and he never, and like, I, I verbalized that to him and he's like, he's like, cause Derek's had more injuries than anybody, right. you know, more, I mean, he's. If it's broken or torn, he's he's had it. Well, that's what makes him such a special coach. Is he's really truly been through the ringer. He knows. Right. He knows what it feels like. He knows what it takes. And he right. Knows, and I think he can see. He can see right through somebody, like whether they can handle it or not. Like right. is this the guy that can come back? You know. Yeah, which is like you know why I you know I, I hold him in, you know probably the highest regard of of anybody in the sport because I I just I have so much respect for him because he is one of those guys. I mean you know you talk about like how you handle a shitty situation. He, he had World's Strongest Man won. Had it won. The stone was on the platform, and he slipped, and it fell. And he was able to keep coming back year after year after year, still, in, and, he, and he, he literally did that until his body fell the fuck apart. And he probably should have stopped a few years before he actually did. 
because now, I mean, he's paying. For, I mean, you you know, he's he's had you know stem cell therapy and he's done every fucking thing. You to would try never to, know talking to him how much pain he's in. Oh no, he's guy. one of the most sunny disposition guys you I've ever met in my life. But yeah, yeah he, he's 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 going through it for sure. But but yeah, I mean, but long story short, to circle back, it's like to 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 feel like you have you know put in the work and you feel great and then to not be able to display what you know you're capable of is the worst goddamn feeling on the fucking planet oh, especially yeah. to those of us that are so it means so much to you and, and and we're in such a competitive era and you're around all these top guys and you know that you're as good as them and it just isn't fucking there on the day it, it's it absolutely fucking sucks yeah so when I, when I approached you after I saw that you were hurt um cuz cuz and I'm sure you've experienced this too. All competitors have. It's so frustrating when you have a setback or you have an issue, you have an injury, and all these people will come over to you. And mm. their intentions are good. They're trying right. to be encouraging. Yeah. They're trying to tell you it's okay. They're trying to tell you you can do it. Or they're trying to tell you th- th- whatever. Whatever direction they're giving you, it's like you just don't want to fucking hear it because, like, they don't know. Right. And they think they know, and they don't. So... When I, because I've been, you know, right, right by your side, I've been fortunate to be by your side through th- these, this entire process. When I went over to you, I wanted to just kind of give you the microphone. I didn't want to tell you you're going to be okay. I didn't want to tell you maybe you should pull out, maybe you should do it. I really just wanted to just, you know, stand, stand by your side and just say, hey, man, like, you know, where's your head at? Like, right. if you can pull it off, you're going to do it. And I, want, I did that because I wanted to give you the opportunity to say, fucking yes, absolutely, I can. And hear it and put it out there and make it real. Um, I mean, I knew, I knew that was going to be a fucking answer anyway. Yeah, and I mean, and I, I, you know, I'll say that I, I can't say enough. Right after that, I was, I, you know, I said to my wife, Jenny, I'm like, I, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I don't want to be here right now. So we went back to the Airbnb. I took some fucking Motrin and, and laid down for a few minutes. And I came back like two hours later. And, you know, uh, for any of you that know, OSG was an absolute shit show this year. It was. The, the hurricane was just, it, it, it pushed a, a three-day show into a two-day show. There was so much shit going on. And even with everything going on, all that he had on his plate, when I came back to the venue, I didn't make it 10 steps into the venue. And Lynn Morehouse came up to me. And he was like, are, are you okay? Like, are you going to continue? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give it what I got. And he's like, good because like I, I know you have some really good events coming up and like I'd hate to see you pull out and I'm like I'm not fucking pulling out who, who do I look like fucking Manny Frias Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, I mean, all, 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 hats Manny off to Frias, Liz. who's that? <laughs> who's that? Some for? guy, I don't know. Yeah, but, um, you know, saying what a shit show OSG was, that that is by no means um, not giving all the credit that's due to Lynn and his crew because they were able to take... Oh, they brutal, made the best of it for sure. They were able to take yeah. a brutal situation and, and on the fly too, just constantly yeah. make adjustments. Um, and it seemed like they always had the athlete's uh, best interest in mind and they were willing to sacrifice, stay late a certain day, just do whatever it took to get through the events as best they could and still offer the best and safest, safest and most thorough experience they could under really, really dire circumstances. So hats off to Lynn and his whole crew because, yeah. I mean, as as challenging as it was, I mean, it was it was a fucking awesome weekend to see firsthand. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, well, I think that just about wraps it up. Um, obviously, keep your eye out for Evan T. Rex Singleton. Uh, give, us, give us your contact, your, your Instagram, your website, Whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, my Instagram is Evan underscore T-Rex underscore strongman. And I'm also on YouTube, Evan T-Rex Singleton. What um, are the dates for Worlds, Evan? You know? April 18th to the 23rd in Myrtle Beach, South, Car- South awesome. Carolina. 
Yeah. Sweet. I definitely plan to be down here. That's not a bad flight at all, and I don't have anything going on. So Hell yeah. I've never been to a show. I really look forward to being able to see it uh, firsthand, especially after being at OSG and being at such a high-level show. It's just awesome to get around at, you know, the best in the world and see, see them do what they do. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to lift some weights. Let's fucking do Fuck it, Yeah, man. let's do it. I'm um, train some events. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time to come down there. It's been wow. an absolute privilege for all of us. I know everyone that took the seminar had a, had a great time and a great Good. experience. Good. Good. Nico, thanks as always, and thanks for putting this together. Absolutely. And uh, stay tuned, guys, for the next episode. Thanks a lot for listening. All right, so that just about wraps up today's episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Top Strength Cast. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as we enjoyed putting it together. Uh, if you did, in fact, enjoy it, please leave a five-star review, like, share, whatever it may be to help get the word out. We really appreciate the support. Um, and also, your, your feedback. Your feedback means a lot to me. Feel free to reach out, uh, shoot me a DM directly at StripCam or comment below. You know, Like I said in the intro, it's most important to me to offer as much value through this platform as possible. And it's, it's very helpful in doing that to, to get your guys' feedback. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear. Um, I really want to provide the, the best service possible. So thanks again so much for listening. We'll see you guys over there, and we'll see you next week for the next episode. Thanks again. <laughs>